Luke 23, from verse 32 to 43. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive. Our first saying of Jesus on the cross puts forgiveness right at the forefront of the message that Christ came to bring, and it must always remain there, and especially linked as it is here to the cross. But wait a minute, forgive them. Who exactly is them? Surely not even the Pharisees and other rulers that Jesus had such harsh words for before. Well, first of all, let us note that Luke repeatedly refers to them in these verses, or rather, they. When they came to the place, there they crucified him, and they divided up his clothes. But it is not just the soldiers doing their duty who are included here. Perhaps deliberately, Luke describes all those who were involved in this scene and were against him in different ways and different levels. The people who stood watching, scornfully it implies, for he goes on to say that the rulers even sneered at him. So they includes the people, the rulers, the soldiers, and the criminals crucified with him. And through their words of mockery and insult, we find that they all become mouthpieces of the chief tempter himself. Just as the devil tempted Jesus in the desert by casting doubt on his identity. If you are the Son of God, challenging him to use divine power to prove it, so we have again here. If he is the Christ of God, let him save himself, sneer the rulers. If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself, taunt the soldiers. And even the criminals hurl insults. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. 
Surely for all of them, the enemy has again done what he does so well. Keep hold of the man in the flesh through spiritual blindness, unable to truly see and believe that this man really is the Christ, the Son of God. As Paul writes so well in 2 Corinthians 4.3, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Yet here Jesus, the Christ, the image of God, knowing the ignorant blindness of them all, speaks out. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So forgiveness is offered to all, even and especially to those who most directly are involved in crucifying him. Such is the extent of the grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ, that just as he himself taught us to do, that seems so impossible, here does he, as he turns his cheek to those who smite him. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5. So this forgiveness is offered especially to his enemies who had nailed him on the cross. But what does this outrageous grace mean? Does it mean that if we are all forgiven, all can march through heaven's gates when they die, cleansed by the blood of Jesus who died in our place? To answer that question, we must now turn to the second saying of Jesus in its context. Mark in his Gospel writes that the criminals, in the plural, who were crucified with him, also heaped insults on him. Maybe that was true at the beginning, but Luke uniquely records that one of them did not persist. But perhaps seeing how Jesus reacted soon rebuked the other one, speaking out of a sense of the fear of God, that they were being rightly punished, but Jesus was not. Whereas Jesus' first saying was spoken out to everyone, Yet this next saying was spoken very personally to this one criminal, with that phrase of emphatic assurance that Jesus often used, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise, the place where the righteous souls await entry in through the gates of the eternal city to the new Jerusalem that will come down from the new heavens to the renewed earth in the age to come. So now we know. The grace of God in forgiveness, like his love, is limitless, boundless and even reckless, ready to forgive his most evil enemies. But whether we are or were implacable enemies or just indifferent companions, each one of us must turn in complete faith and trust to Jesus and say, Lord, remember me, forgive me, have mercy on me in order to receive that royal welcome. Until we do, we will wait outside the gates, as he longs and waits for every lost soul, weeping over Jerusalem and over our world, longing for each lost sheep to turn and believe. Will we yet dare, in our day, as so many do, to talk casually of Jesus being the Son of God, who even died on the cross, 
yet who fail to make that deeply personal response, calling on the Lord to receive his mercy for themselves individually. So let us pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of forgiveness, magnanimously offered to all, even the worst of your enemies. And thank you for your promise offered to me when I turn to you in faith. But Lord, we pray, may the eyes of the spiritually blind be opened wide. Have mercy on those who have yet to truly turn to you and believe. Amen. <laughs>